Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Again, I'm Peter, if you missed that intro earlier, um, but I'm so excited to have uh, my good friend Dave Fox. Dave, come on up here um, to, uh, to be bringing the word this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know Dave, Dave, you've been a part of our church uh, since... Long time ago. What does that mean, though? What, like, how many years? Yeah, we're thinking, i got to think between the service, about 23 years. 23 years. Cool. Yeah, maybe more. Cool. I was 12. Um, and we're so thankful for your longevity here. That being said, uh, Dave was also uh, an ordained pastor, um, and he was a pastor of four different churches, three up in the Bay Area, and your last one being in Hanford, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, Dave was a, a bivocational pastor, and so um, he got the opportunity, you got the opportunity to shepherd as well as uh, be able to work in the field and actually do, do real hands-on ministry as well. And that's a, uh, that's a calling and that's a difficult thing. So I'm excited for you to hear uh, from my very good friend, Dave Fox. Dave, take it away, bud. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Well, good morning. I'm uh, reminded of that uh, Casting Crowns song. I believe it's Casting Crowns that I'm just a uh, Nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that saved my soul, and uh, that's how I feel about it. Uh, I really am privileged to be able to share with you today. I, I really take it as an honor as well as a, a great responsibility, and uh, I, I'm privileged to be here, and, and I just want to share with you who are here, those of you that are at home uh, watching on internet or listening, uh, we're in this together, and I'm going to talk a little more about that in just a moment. Uh, how many of you have ever been on a zip line? Come on, raise them high. I've got to see if this illustration is going to work. Okay, most of you have. If you haven't been on a zip line, just imagine when you were a kid, when you had the rope hanging on the tree and you swung off the cliff into the creek bed that was about that deep of water. Same thing. But uh, on a zip line, at least my experience has been, and I, ha I have to pull this in. First service, I went over there and I was out of the picture frame, so I'm thinking everybody thought I fell off the cliff. Uh, but I, I didn't. But uh, on the zip line, you, you get up on, you know, five or 6,000 feet in the air, or uh, depending on which one you went on. Uh, mine was probably only about five or six feet, but anyway. Uh, but, they, but they harness you up, and they, they hinch you up, and uh, the one that I was on, the straps looked like something out of a 57 Chevy, and they were well-worn. So I was a little bit nervous, and uh, then they clip you to a cable that's about that big, and they bring you up to a precipice. Is that the right word, precipice? To an edge. And they say, okay, we're going to count to three. And when I get down counting, you jump. Yeah, right. And the ones I've seen on camera, I mean, you're looking down into a ravine that's 1,000 feet away. And okay, so the guy's behind. Okay, now, get ready. One, two. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I hooked up? Yeah, yeah, you're hooked up. Oh, wait, it feels loose. Okay, let me cinch it up. Okay, okay, that's better. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Three. Sir, listen, back away here, back away from the edge, and just fall. Do what? Just sit down. And you sit down, and you, you see that the cable will hold you, even a fellow of my stature. And you're, while you're doing that, Cooper Anderson's over on the other side, hooked up to the other line, and is running and doing a backflip off the cliff and are going down the zip line. Or some eight-year-old, and 
or somebody even bigger than me, and you think, if they can do it, I can do it. And so one, two, three, and of course by this time the guy behind you gives you a boot in the hiney and you go off and you enjoy it. Zipline is kind of like what we've been, or, well, kind of where we're at right now as we get ready to enter into 2021. We're, we're at the edge and God is saying, okay, you can do this. I've got you. I can help. I can hold you. And we've got to make the decision as to whether to take the jump and to have confidence and to be content in knowing that he has us. Today, the Apostle Paul is Cooper Anderson doing the backflip off the cliff and saying, hey, it works. Look at your Bibles, if you would. Turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. Philippians 4.10. And uh, if you have your Bibles, keep them open because we're going to be looking at a few verses that are not on the lens. But here's what Paul said. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, I'm excited to hear about Pastor's new uh, sermon series about reading our Bible, and my perspective on it is, is that when I read the Scriptures, one of my little tricks is I look for words or phrases that jump out at me. And the two things that jump out at me right here and now are, Paul says, I've learned the secret, the secret of being content. Really? What is it? I can do all things through him who gives me strength, right? Amen? Okay, let's stand and we'll be dismissed. That's all we need to know, right? Nobody's standing. See, we, we, we hear that and we intellectually understand it, but do we take it to heart? And Paul just didn't stop there. In the book of Philippians, throughout the book, he illustrated how we can be content. Now, if we ever need a contentment, it's now. Uh, the contentment uh, that we're desiring for the year to come is coming in a year where we really still don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're still going to be locked down. We don't know if we're going to be opened up. We don't know if more of us are going to get sick or if it's all been a ruse. We don't know if we have a president or we have a new president. There's so many things that we don't know that cloud our, our, our perspective, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But the one thing we do know is Christ said, I love you, you're my child, I have a plan for you, and you can do this. See, the reason the little 8 or 10 or 12-year-old kid can jump off the cliff and do backflips is because he trusts someone who told him, you're not going to fall. This will hold on to you. This will prevent you from having uh, 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 anything bad happen. And they, by faith, take that. And God is telling us throughout his word, I got you. I've got what you need. And I like the fact that Paul makes it known. And, and if you go back to chapter 3, and that's where we're going to uh, spend the majority of our time this morning. But if you go back to chapter 3, he illustrates how he can find contentment. And that's what I want to share you, uh, with you today. The sermon's entitled, How Do You Do That? Now, to all my teacher friends, I apologize for the contraction on how. Uh, it's not really very proper English, but 
How do you do that? You ever been to a magic show or an illusionist? I don't like to say magic because some of them I think, ooh. But you pick a card, and he puts that card in your pocket. And then he goes on and does something else, and he says, oh, by the way, can you show me the card? And you look, oh, it's not there. And it's in the back of the auditorium in somebody else's wallet. And you say, how do you do that? When you watch an Olympic uh, athlete uh, run and jump eight feet in the air without the help of anything else, and you say, how did he do that? And when the Bible presents truths and, uh, through, through God's men and women and shows us the victories that they had, we, we say, how did they do that? Well, Paul's going to tell us how we can have contentment because that's what we need. This has been a, a year that's been different for all of us. Uh, we have folks in our, uh, in our congregation who can't step outside of their house. And then we have folks who say, hey, dang the torpedoes full speed ahead, and they, they're uh, out and about doing everything different. But together, we come together here in mutual love and respect and perspective, and we say, God, be our direction, be our guide. Give us contentment. Give us peace. Paul wanted the Philippians, and by the way, the Philippian church, uh, the, the letter to the Philippians is what was known as one of Paul's uh, prison epistles. Uh, he wrote it while he was in prison. Uh, and by the way, he was uncertain as to whether he would come out of prison or not. Now, is anybody uh, going to be executed in the next year? Do you know anybody? Anybody here? No. I'm not minimizing what we're going through, but Paul is that person that we can look to and find confidence that we too can have contentment because he was facing an uncertainty of his very life. I found the secret, he said, and let me share it with you. He wanted the Philippian church to share with him and with each other a joyful, powerful faith that was rooted in Christ and in Christ alone. And that's what we want to leave and, and impart to you today. Look at uh, chapter 3, if you would, uh, verse 12. Now, prior to this, uh, one of the issues that Paul was dealing with, there was great persecution starting to come upon the church, the Christian church. Uh, this was around 64 A.D., right in and about there. And uh, the Jewish zealots were adamantly opposed to any uh, person who was a Christian or any ideology which reflected on Christ as being the Messiah. And they were actively persecuting and ridiculing uh, the church. But as a result of their open uh, attacks on the church, the Roman Empire wanted to squelch any kind of issues or any kind of civil disobedience. And so they too were persecuting the church. And Paul was in prison because of preaching the gospel. And he said, listen, don't be fooled by those who want to give you peace with worldly things because it, it's not going to happen. He said, if I, anybody has a reason to boast about their accomplishments, he says, it's me. A Jew of Jews, he said, uh, but I put no confidence in the flesh. Why? Because whatsoever was gained to me that's in the flesh, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And that's where we're going to focus today. So look at verse 12. He said, not that I have already attained all of this, and all this refers back to uh, the perfection of knowing Christ completely and perfectly. He said, I, I haven't obtained all that yet. Okay? I haven't arrived at my goal, and we'll talk about that word goal. But he said, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold, but one thing I do, 
Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the mark or toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in Christ Jesus. Paul was willing to be an example of encouragement. And as we face this new year, we have the unique opportunity as a church, not only we who are here, but those of our family that are outside in their homes and in the midst of all this chaos, we have the opportunity to be a light to a darkened world, a light that will be bright and that will breed confidence. And Paul, I see in this passage, he mentions three things that I think will enable us to discover along with him the secret to contentment. Contentment's an interesting word. It's a, it's a word which is, uh, describes being at peace, being fulfilled, life in its perfection. Now, Paul was in prison and maybe going to die. How could he be content? Because he knew where he was going if he did die. In one passage, he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said, in some ways, I want to go on. I want to be there, but I know that I've got a job to do here. So contentment is not something that's based in the flesh, but we'll see what it's based in. Look at verse 12. He said, I haven't already obtained this. I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to do what? To take hold of that for which Christ, Jesus, took hold of me. The meaning of life. Now that I'm a Christian, what is life's meaning for me? Uh, what is my attitude? We need a proper attitude to be content. We need to have a proper perspective in one way of understanding who we are in Christ as a Christian, as a believer. Now, in this congregation, I'm looking at old guys like Carrie and I who have been believers for 100 years. And I'm looking, and I can't see completely, but I see younger believers. I see young people who have just come to Christ or who have uh, uh, recently given their life to Christ. We're all on the same journey, a journey that begins with Christ and ends in eternity. And this life is only a slight detour but our confidence is in him and in what he's going to do with this. Let me share a couple of verses of Scripture. Uh, but what does your life mean? What is it that you live your life for? I, I think there's two things I see in this. And that, first of all, is we have a defined purpose. Paul said, I want to take hold of this. In other words, I want to comprehend it and I want to grasp it. Do you have a hunger to know what God's plan is for your life? Do you have a desire to know where this thing's going? Life is more than our jobs although some have lost their jobs, and I'm so sorry for that. Life is more than uh, the homes we live in, although many are losing their homes, and I'm sorry about that. Life is more than good health, because some have lost that health, but yet the light of Christ continues to shine for them. It's a proper attitude with a defined purpose, to live as Christ. Look at uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ Jesus, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. That's the ABCs there. You acknowledged you were a sinner. You believed that Christ came to save you from your sins. So you died to that old life and see you chose to step into this new life. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Two things there. He said, set your hearts and set your minds on Christ, on the things which are above. 
It's one thing to intellectually understand what God says in his word, but it's another thing to take it to heart. God says, love your enemies. Lord, you don't know who I have to deal with at work. Yeah, he does. He said, love your enemies. Lord, I know that's what you want me to do, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to do it. I may get slapped. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. I may get laughed, ridiculed at. Stand tall. Having the proper attitude is defining your purpose in life. And my purpose is to take hold of the reason that Christ took hold for me. And that's the second thing, a directed path. God wants us to go the path he's chosen for us. Psalm 37 says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. That's a very important word, delighting. Do you really delight in knowing that you're following God's will? If you do, it doesn't matter the bumps in the road. Uh, there's a, uh, a, a place up at Shaver Lake where we go every summer, and uh, uh, some of you know it's Half Dome, or not Half Dome. Yeah, I think that's the name of it, Half Dome. It's a big granite outcropping that's above uh, Shaver Lake, and as you, you stand up there, you look around, you see a 360-degree view of everything. It's so beautiful and it's gorgeous, but you know what? It is a terrible ride unless you've got four-foot-tall tires and four-wheel drive, and you can only get so far then you got to get out and walk. you got to walk through gravel. you got to slide. you got to fall. you got to trip. But you know what? When you see what's up ahead and you say, that's where I'm going, that's the path I want to get to, and you get up there, oh, man, you don't want to come down. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. God says, your attitude needs to be focused on me. Paul said, I have contentment because I'm focused on the path that God has for my life. My life is in his hands. My heart is in his keeping, the song says. Very important. Have you considered God's plan for your life? Yeah, I have. I'm kind of curious. But have you sought to know it and to implement it? That's the question. We can be distracted by a lot of things, and here's the path God has for us. He said, straight as a gate narrows a way that leads unto salvation. Well, here it is right here. Oh, but wait. Here's an angry political argument that I have to deal with. Here's a sickness that I have to deal with. Here's a discouragement and a defeat. Here's an economy that may come up or may go down. Here's all this stuff, Lord. God says, clear the way and get an understanding of where I want you to go. A proper attitude about who we are in Christ is foundational to perspective, a clear perspective. Perspective is being able to see clearly and to understand our goal, our vision. He said this in verse 13. He said, forgetting what is behind and straining, and I like that he used that word, straining toward what is ahead. This ain't a joy ride. <laughs> I would like to think that now that I'm a Christian, I'm never going to have any more problems, but that's just not the case. In some ways, I'm going to have more. But I look for the, 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 the goal that is ahead. I look for what God has for me up here. The, forgetting there. When we think of forgetting, we think of someone my age who can't remember, you know, if he brushed his teeth in the morning, so he's got to feel his toothbrush to feel if it's wet so he knows whether he brushed his teeth or not. I said that a little roughly. That was supposed to be funny, folks. <laughs> the word forgetting here is to set aside. It doesn't mean ignore it, but it means set aside. Get it out of the pathway. What do we need to set aside? Believe it or not, some, some of us need to set aside our victories. 
I was saved in 1967. It was so real. I knew God was there. 1967. So what's that got to do with now? I can't, I don't, forget about God saving me? No, don't forget about God saving me. But what has he done for you lately? What victories have you had lately? God wants to give us victory every day of our lives. Dwelling on past victories can lead to complacency. In our church, and I'll get a little personal here, we can look back right now, and uh, I don't know how many we have here, but, you know, probably 50, 60 people. We can look back and say, whoa, we used to have five, 600 people. And we get distracted, and we can forget that there are people at home that are watching. The church is at home. The church is here. There's our friends at South Valley. There's friends of ours and brothers and sisters in Christ at Koinonia. Oh, guess what? There's brothers and sisters in the Congo. There's brothers and sisters in Europe. And we're still here, and we're still striving to follow the path, and there's contentment. I am so glad and so encouraged by the fact that the same gospel that led me to Christ in 1967 is the same gospel that's leading men and women and boys and girls to Christ in third world countries where guess what? Where this is the norm. We talk about a new norm. This is everybody's norm in some countries. Matter of fact, this is better than the norm. There are some people who are meeting this very day to fellowship in Christ in fear of their lives in fear of persecution. We can't dwell on past victories. We've got to ask ourselves the question, what is God doing for us recently? And I'd ask you, what has God done in your life? What victory have you had? For me, in COVID-19 uh, year 2020, uh, I have been wonderfully reminded, apart from all the other, and by the way, I, I should have prefaced with this, if you're a little bit confused, if you're a little bit discouraged, if you're a little bit upset, join the club. I am too. But one thing that I have been overwhelmed with is the fact that God has allowed me to define and refine the faith that I have in Christ. My contentment is not in my victories that were past. My contentment is knowing that Christ is in me and it's the hope of glory. We need to focus on, or not focus rather, on our past failures. Uh, ignore them? No. But learn from them. What are we doing? What lessons have we learned from our previous mistakes? And how are we using those lessons not only to seek new victories in our life, but to help foster victory in the lives of others? A clear perspective. We need a proper attitude about life in Christ. We need a clear perspective of what our goal and what our vision is. I love it when our pastors talk about that. I have a verse here that I want to share with you. I read this, uh, or rather I came across this verse uh, some time ago, I was going to the hospital to visit one of our longtime members who was dying, and the family asked me not to say anything about it because they didn't want her to know that she was on hospice, and I honored the family's request. Uh, so I, as I was going in, I said, Lord, I've I got to give her something to encourage her, and I, I have a daily devotional, and I opened my phone up, and there was this verse for my, it was today's devotional by accident, Second Corinthians four fourteen through 18. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to you and present us with you to himself, that is to God. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Listen, when we're going through tough times and we're focused on Christ, people see it. 
Unsaved people see it. People who have no faith in Christ see it. And they say, what is that? How did he do that? How can he be so peace, at peace and content? They want to know. And Peter said, be ready to tell him. He said, therefore, in these tough times, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that are out, far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Think about what you've been focused on in the days prior to now. Ask yourself the question, is it the eternal or the temporary? And should this go on for years and years to come? The scriptures say, don't focus on that. Focus on what is to come. I'm a person who believes that uh, Christ could come at any time. And I had one person tell me one time, we were going through the book of Daniel, and I was sharing with them, and they said, oh, they've been saying that since I was a kid. I remember my mom saying, Christ could come right now. And it kind of discouraged me a little bit until I recognized something. All the ducks are in a row. There's nothing left to be fulfilled. Back then, yeah, there were some things that were still left unchecked, and we just ignored those. But folks, it's all ready, and Christ could come at any moment. What's our perspective? Are we looking for him? Are we finding contentment and knowing that we're ready? Isaiah said this. This is what the Lord says. I love that, don't you? You know, uh, don't listen to what Dave says today because you, you won't remember that out the door. This is what the Lord says, and I love that Isaiah starts that way. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, he who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army, and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm clearing the path. Isaiah was writing that to a nation that thought God had forsaken them because of their sin. They had failed God miserably. And God said through Isaiah, Look at all I've done for you. Look at how I've allowed you to overcome miraculously the things and the people that wanted to destroy you, and they haven't. But let those go and look to see what I'm going to do. And, of course, some believe that he was referring to the coming of Messiah. And Jesus Christ literally came to save the world. A proper attitude and a clear perspective will breed and nurture a persistent walk. When you have in your mind... I'm in this for the long haul. When you have your head raised high and you're looking to the goal, there is a persistence. And I love this word persistent. It means tenacious, persevering, determined, resolute, purposeful. All of you have seen the Olympic uh, 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 field games, the races and the hurdles in, pers in particular. And uh, when I was in high school, I decided one day, I was pretty fast. I was a baseball player, so, man, I could move. And you only had to run, you know, one side of the field, so that was pretty good. And so we had the, the hurdles. No, they were right there. I thought, I'm going to do this. And so I got out there, and I got down, and it's hard to imagine me doing this, but I got down, boom, I was out of the stops. And I was running hard, and I come up to that first hurdle, and I lifted my lead leg up, and over that hurdle I went, and as I came over it, my rear leg caught it right on the shin. 
and I went down and cried like a baby and bled like a slaughtered pig. And my coach, teachers will like this, my coach came up and said, hey, Fox, how'd that work out for you? Thanks, Mr. Wilson. You got to practice. You got to learn. You've got to understand this isn't easy, and you got to want it. Folks, we've been told by some who would have us to believe that the Christian life is a life of prosperity. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. It's all good until we hit that first hurdle. But you know what? I've seen many a race where the runners got out of the, the stops. Uh, what do they call those things? The, they started running, whatever it is. And they get that first hurdle, and they caught it with their heel, and they knocked it over, and you know what? They didn't stop. They kept going to the next hurdle. And the next hurdle, maybe they just brushed it, and by the time they got to those third and fourth and fifth hurdles, they were moving. And I saw one race where a guy actually won the race because he refused to give up. He refused to slow down. He refused to take his eye off that finish line. That's what we've got to do in our walks with Christ. 2020 is just a little tripped hurdle. Keep running. Don't give up. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and that's the, the hall of faith, talking about all the men and women of the Old Testament that, that were faithful in dire circumstances, even though they hadn't yet seen Christ, they saw him in faith. They saw the end result that was coming. He said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Listen. There's a lot of things in our life that aren't necessarily bad. Houses are not bad. You've got to have a house to live in. You've got to have a car to drive. You've got to have a job to feed your family. You've got to have a job to pay your 10% tithes and above that your offerings. Right? Those are all good things. But if we place our faith and if our relationship with Christ is rooted in what we give, in where we sit, whether here or at home, we're not going to have peace and contentment. Our peace and contentment is in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus alone. He said, run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer. You know what a pioneer is, right? They're the ones that got here first. They're the ones that carved it out. And a perfecter of faith. Jesus established this gift of faith that he gives us through the Holy Spirit, and he perfects it as we grow within his grace and his love and forgiveness. And he gives the example. He said he was God Almighty, and yet he endured scorn and shame and the death on the cross. Consider him, verse 3 says, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul said, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret to having peace. I've learned the secret to being content, even though I'm sitting in jail, even though I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of here, even though I don't know where my next meal is coming from, even though I don't know if I'll ever see another face of any of you Philippians, I want you to know I love you and I'm at peace, and God wants you to have that same peace. We need to recognize and remember that as believers, we're in this together young and old, you who are at home right now and who are watching on, on video, you who are watching on CDs, we're together. 
We're not physically together, but in Christ we are one body. And I don't care if you're 15 or if you're 50. You have something to offer to the kingdom of God. You have the means to provide a peaceful example to each of us. I'm hopeful that in this next year that we'll be able to really establish and nurture. We all know our church's uh, history. We know that there was a riff, I think, uh, between the generations, but I believe that riff is fast coming uh, uh, together again. But listen, look around you and see who's not here. And I don't care if you're the shyest person in here. Get on the phone and call them. If you need a number, call Pastor Jeff. Call the office. Call them and say, man, I miss seeing your face. Debbie and I have kind of... uh, Adopted, I don't know what you want to call it. I, I'm not trying to float our boat or fluff our skirt, but, but we've just come alongside some younger couples and we've made their kids our grandkids and we're just loving on them. And they're loving on us and it's a wonderful thing. And you know what? As we go down the road together, when somebody starts to go off, we'll have the right and they'll trust us enough to come back. They'll have the ability to say, you know what? I may not totally understand what you're telling me but I believe that you're right and I believe you care about me and I want to walk with you. Peace. In closing, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul tells Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hopes in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Contentment is not in where we live and what we drive, how many friends we have or if we're in good health. Contentment is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what it's all about. So, as we come to the edge, and God says, get ready, we've got, I don't know, I don't even know what the date is today, <laughs> but we've got about five, six days, and God's going to say, jump. Are you willing to jump? Let's pray. Father, thank you for someone like the Apostle Paul, who was willing to profess, not only for the Philippians but for us who live even in this day and in this age and say, I'm there with you. I know what you're dealing with, but I've got a secret and I want to share it with you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So God, today my prayer is that as we leave this place, we will leave with confidence and with contentment and with the assurance that you're with us. Lord, help us to look back and to let go of failures. And Father, even to let go of past things that you've done for us, but let us look forward to the new, to new and exciting things which are going to happen. Thank you for my sister who shared with me, Father, that they're excited about the year to come. They don't know where it is, what it's going to look like, but they know that God is in it and we're going in it too. And so, Father, I pray that you grant us that ability. And Father, for those that might be with us that still don't know what it is to trust Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, God, help them to just reach out and to pray this prayer. God, I know that I'm a sinner, 
I accept the fact that I am a sinner and that in myself I haven't got contentment and peace. I don't know that if I were to die that heaven would be my home and God, I want that. And so I believe, Lord, that you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins and to give me the forgiveness of my sins. And Lord, I choose to follow you every day of my life and every day as we enter 2021. Eyes closed and heads still bowed. And this is for nobody but just you. If you're a believer and you've had a tough year, but you want that contentment and that peace that God offers and you're going to step out in faith, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up and say, God, I'm trusting you in the days to come. Just slip it up. Nobody's looking. You say, what does a raised hand have to do? That is you saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Thank you. A mentor of mine said this, Contentment in this world is not founded on our successes or achievements. Neither can our contentment be eroded by our failures or our shortcomings. But true contentment comes to us when we let go and let God. And that's, that's not a misprint. Let go and let God. Our church mission statement says this, love God, love people, and serve the world. May we do that as we enter 2021.